And it's a great pleasure, indeed an honor for me, to have the opportunity this afternoon to introduce to you Anders Cardinal Arborelius, who's the Bishop of Stockholm. Uh, he was actually born in Switzerland in 1949, but spent his uh, childhood in Lund in, uh, in Sweden. And at the age of 20, he converted to Catholicism. This was 1969. Then two years after, he entered the Carmelite Monastery and took his perpetual vows in Belgium in 1977. He was ordained in 1979. As a Carmelite, a Descalced Carmelite, he lived uh, in a hermitage for about uh, 20 years or so, uh, but then was appointed Bishop of Stockholm by Pope John Paul II in 1998. Um, and uh, then on May 21st of last year, Pope Francis announced a consistory, this was in June, and at that consistory appointed Bishop Barbarellius and four other bishops to be new cardinals. Uh, it's a very great distinction because actually Cardinal Abarelius is the first Swedish cardinal in the whole history of the church <laughs> before or after the Reformation. So uh, it's a great honor and it's a great honor for us to have him here. He has a number of degrees and he's written a number of books uh, in Swedish, particularly about uh, the uh, Carmelite uh, mystics, Edith uh, Stein and, uh, and, and various others. And that's what he'll be talking about this afternoon. Uh, the title of his talk is The Witness of Contemplative Women in the Heart of the Church. So please join me in welcoming Cardinal Aborelius. So, dear friends, I have brought the snow from Sweden. I hope you don't mind too much. <laughs> this year, we will have a very special event in Northern Europe. The relics of Therese of Lisieux and her parents will travel all through Northern Europe. And I'm very curious and wondering how Therese will be received in our very secular and post-Lutheran society. Therese was the person who helped me to find my vocation in Carmel. And I hope that she can help other people to open up to the Lord and receive Christ in their lives. And I think that she has a providential importance in a very secular society of today, where so many people have not opened up to God. We know that at the end of her life, she passed through a period of, well, of darkness. She somehow lost the experience of faith. And she said herself, I had to eat the dry bread of the non-believers. But at the same time, I think that she, in a vicarious way, somehow could help people to open up to faith. Sometimes we can say that you can believe for someone else. And I think Therese of Lisieux had that capacity to show that it is possible to feel mystically united to those who do not believe, to really realize from within what it is not to have faith. Faith can be so profound that you don't 
really notice it, experience it. You just surrender to God in darkness. You just abandon yourself to God without feeling, without experiencing that God is there. So somehow, I would say, on a mystical level, she can really be the little sisters of so many of our people in a secular society who have not received the gift of faith. And in that way, she can help people to see that faith is not what they thought it was. Because so many people in a secular society have a kind of strange image of believers. At least in my country, they believe that we who believe, well, we always feel happy just it in, uh, uh, in opera. We have no problems. We have answers to all questions. Life is just wonderful. It's always sunny, even if it's snowing and cold. So I think Therese, as one of those women living a contemplative life, can be a kind of prophet in a secular society to help people to receive God on a more profound level in their lives. Therese saw that her vocation was to live in the heart of the church. But if you live in the heart of the church, you also live in the heart of society. A society that is called to be transformed and transfigured by the light of God. And Therese, she wanted to do everything in the church. She wanted to fulfill all the vocations in the church. And of course, that's impossible. But on the mystical level, she discovered that if you live in the heart of the church, you can fulfill all the vocations and give glory to God and really transmit the light of faith to so many people. No single vocation was enough for her. But at a certain moment she realized that if she really found her vocation in the heart of the church, she could do everything for God and for her fellow men. So I think that Therese can help also people in our secular societies to see their value and dignity. Every single person, whoever he or she is, needs to see that this is something great to be a human being created in the image of God. And so many people in our secular society have not really discovered their dignity, their value. A hidden and contemplative life as that of Therese had no visible influence and impact on society. But still, her message of God's immense mercy and love of every single person can remind many of their unique and wonderful dignity and vocation. There is a kind of mystical solidarity, I would say, that Therese can teach people today, where so few people have realized their deep vocation to be the object of God's immense love.
That's why she had to share the dry bread and the sense of God's absence of the non-believers in order to really take part in this dark night of the soul that somehow is the way to the full realization of Christ's new life. She had to pass through the desert, through the darkness. She had to help the Lord to carry his cross in order to come to resurrection and new life. And she could do that in a vicarious way for those who didn't believe, for those who lived in darkness. A special moment was when she felt that she had a vocation to save this very cruel murderer, Prancini, a man who had killed women and children. And somehow she felt, when I live in the heart of the church, there is grace for everyone, even for those who have committed those horrible crimes. And she felt that she should adopt him in prayer. She should pray for him and ask the Lord to give his light to him. And then she heard about his execution. He came to the guillotine. The priest was there. But he said, I don't want to have anything to do with the priest. But just before the guillotine went down and cut the head off, he took the crucifix and kissed it. And she said, then I understood that God had heard my prayers. Well, this is just a little example of her vocation to transmit the gift of faith and light to those in darkness, to those who haven't an idea of how immensely God loved them. But in order to do so, she had to enter into this seemingly absence of God, this loss of the experience of faith. And it can be difficult for us to understand that such a deep experience of God's absence can also be a kind of sacramental experience of God's presence. If we really love someone who is far away, who is very absent, well, when we can grow in love and longing for that person. And maybe it can be the same thing if we experience the loss of the experience of faith. The surrender to God can be even more real when we don't feel that God is there, when we feel that he is absent, that he is a hidden God. And still, in the desert, in the darkness, we try to surrender to God, not only for ourselves, but for others. And I think this experience, this mystical experience of Therese, is something that can be helpful for so many people in a secular society of today, where they don't get any exterior help in order to discover God, where seemingly everything speaks of God's absence but at the same time, this uh, can be an experience that helps us to long even more to discover God. Absence and presence somehow are related. 
And sometimes we know that when a person is absent, he can be more present to us spiritually. When God is not, there are no, here you have angels speaking about God all the time, but if you were in another kind of room, there would be no exterior sign of God. But this absence could somehow uh, help us to long even more for God. So Therese, as a representative of the female contemplative life in the church, can have a providential importance in a secular society. I heard that the late Cardinal George wanted to have two communities of contemplative sisters in his diocese. There were already the Carmelite nuns in displays, but in the southern part of the diocese he wanted the poor clares, because in a secular city as Chicago, even if Chicago is a very Catholic place in comparison with Stockholm, this presence of a female contemplative community can be a sign of God's presence in the midst of a society where there are so visible, few visible signs of God. Luckily, in my diocese, we have six communities of female religious contemplatives, and that's a richness. And maybe we need it because Sweden is much more secular than Chicago. For me, Chicago is a holy city. <laughs> well, you laugh, but yeah. So there are degrees in secularity. And in Sweden, this contemplative life of our female communities has an importance also for the ecumenical and interreligious relationships and with the secular world. It's strange, but sometimes people phone the Carmelite sisters and ask for prayers, and then they say, I don't believe in God, but still pray for us, sister. People are not so logical, but somehow I think people also in a secular society see the value of this kind of witness. There is something more than what we see, what we taste, what we can pay for, what we can buy. And this hidden contemplative life can really be a light giving hope to people who do not have hope. Because that's one of the main losses in a secular society, that so many people don't have any hope anymore. They long for something, but they don't know what it is. And this can be a little light helping them to move forwards towards an encounter with the living God. So, we could say there is a motherly aspect of contemplative life as a prophetic sign in a world where there is no sensible presence of God, where there are no signs helping people to find the way to God. That means that they have to do an interior journey themselves. They need people helping them. Maybe a hidden community of sisters can help people to travel 
in, on the interior road to discover that God is still present within their hearts. As Therese discovered that she lived in the heart of the church, she can help people to discover that God is alive also in the heart of a secular society, that he is hidden, but he is there. And I think this could be of immense importance for so many people in our secular society. Female contemplative life can help our society to rediscover that it needs a heart. This, of course, is also the role of Our Lady, who in, his, in herself is the heart of the Church. In our Catholic vision, we see that the essence of the Church is realized in Mary. Mary gives us the deep, profound idea of the real essence of the Church. The Church is a mother, the Church is female, it is the Bride of Christ who helps us to come closer to the Bridegroom. And I think this aspect, this mystical aspect, is very important in a secular world where you look upon the Church as one of those institutions or organizations that you really don't care for. And that's one of the dangers in a secular society, that the Church is regarded purely as an organization, efficient or not. Whereas if you look upon the church from the mystical point of view, it's a mother where you see the bride of Christ, you see Mary. And I think the witness of contemplative women can help many people to rediscover the church as their mother, as the bride of Christ, who really helps them to come closer to Christ. And we know that in the traditional spousal mystic movement, the bridal mystery, there is a parallel between Mary, church, and the soul. So many mystics have taught us that there is a kind of parallel uh, reality all of us are called to be beloved by the bridegroom. The church teaches us where we can find the Lord. And in Mary, we find the ideal of this attitude to be responsive, to receive the Lord, to receive him totally and surrender to him. Just as the bride surrenders to the bridegroom, and the bridegroom gives his life for the bride. And this mystical aspect of the church is hidden for many people today. They just look upon the church from outside. They like the church or not, but they don't get the profound interior value of the church. And I think in a secular society, it's necessary to discover this mystical reality of the church in order to really belong to continue to belong to the church. And that's what we have found in Sweden that is much more secular than the United States. That people who remain in the church 
they have discovered that the church is more than an organization or institution. It's a mother, a mother on whose knees we live, we learn to pray, as Paul Claudel said. So if the church should survive in a secular society, it's very important to help people to realize this interior mystical essence of the church. That we see Mary in the church, that we see the bride of Christ in the church, and that we somehow try to identify ourselves with this aspect in order to come closer to the bridegroom. And a community of female nuns is a sign of this bridal aspect of the church. It can be somewhat more difficult for a man to identify with that attitude, of course. But in the traditional mystical tradition, uh, we say that the soul is always female. That doesn't mean a loss of male identity for men, but to realize that deep inside you, you are always longing for the bridegroom, for Christ. I think that's very important to see that every single human being has this deep relationship to Christ, whether male or female. On that level, we all have the same vocation to grow into ever deeper relationship with Christ as our bridegroom, as our real Savior, brother, and Lord. And in the Christian mystical tradition, this aspect is so alive. Today it's a bit more difficult to use this language. In our sexualized atmosphere, it's not easy to speak about the notion of the bride of Christ. But it has to be rediscovered, I think, because if we want to live totally united to Christ, if we want to be transformed by his grace and enter into this mystical relationship of Christ, well, somehow we need all these images and all these uh, ideas to see that we are so united to him that we have to use this language. But somehow, a community of female contemplative sisters can help us to see that this also has an immense importance on the level of church and society. In a society where weapons abound, where injustice and violence is everywhere, we need another image of what it is to live together. And a community of female contemplative sisters can give us an idea of a world where, as Teresa of Avila said, our only weapons are prayer and penance. And we say it also in the liturgy during Lent, that prayer and penance are our weapons in order to fight for a better world. So somehow, it can also help us on the level of society to realize that we are called to 
live totally open and surrender to the Lord. In my country, the presence of these communities have a very great impact. And I would say the more secular society grows, the more important this uh, prophetical presence of a female contemplative uh, community could be. Because it's a kind of counterculture to what we see in society, where everything is about power, sex, and money. And we need a strong other image in order to help people to see that the gospel is a reality, that God is alive, that the Christ is at work in this world. And that's why the female contemplative life can be a sign of hope for so many people, also those who have not already arrived at, uh, at faith. Because, as I said, even in my country, people value that witness as a sign of another reality, even if they don't really know what that other reality is. They somehow see that, well, there is a possibility that there is a God. There is a possibility that there is another way of living together than what a secular society can offer them. So we could say that a contemplative community is a kind of sacramental sign of God's presence in a secular reality. The secular atmosphere of our society, where female empowerment and emancipation is so important, is supposed to be open to the input of women on all levels. But often, this vocation of contemplative women is forgotten or unknown. And that's why I think it's important to help people to see that these women living in community can be so helpful for the church and for those who look for something else in this world. Just as Mary is the new Eve in the new covenant at the side of Jesus, the new Adam, these women living in community can point to Mary, who helps them to come closer to Christ. And that's also interesting to see in our secular post-Lutheran society that Mary has become more important. In the Cathedral of Uppsala, the Lutheran national shrine, at the time of the Reformation, uh, the chapel of Our Lady was emptied and they put the king there, the King Gustav Vasa, who introduced the Reformation. But a few years ago, they put up a statue of Mary outside that chapel. And it was a statue that looked like an ordinary woman. So when you come to the cathedral, you think there is a woman standing there. And then you realize it's Mary. And I think that's a sign that also in our part of the world, so secular, so post-Lutheran, Mary has become 
more and more important. And in many churches, whether Lutheran or free churches, that can be a little icon of Mary. And I think that's typical of a society that is somehow longing for something else. Of course, that doesn't mean that they accept all the Catholic or Orthodox vision upon Mary, but still she has to be there. If she's not there, something is lacking. In a surrounding where most people do not believe in God and often live alone, a community of contemplative women can offer a very important message. In Stockholm, most people live alone. And as long as you is young, life can be very beautiful. If you are alone, you can do what you will. But when you grow old, there is so much solitude, so much sorrow, so many abandoned people. And you often read in the paper, someone died and several months before someone could see that this person died. So loneliness, solitude, is also a very difficult thing in our secular societies of today. And that's why the image of a contemplative community can be a kind of prophetical outcry in a secular world of solitude and abandonment. And I think we have to realize that solitude can be something beautiful. If you live as a hermit, it can be beautiful. But if you live as a forgotten person in the midst of a society, it can be terrible. It's also something interesting that in Stockholm, that has become a very segregated city, when the immigrants enter, the Swedes move away. But old, older people mostly remain because they realize that Swedish people will not take care of me, but immigrants are often more open to elderly people. And, the, and they often want to have a vicarious grandmother or grandfather because their old people are at home. So it can also have an impact on a society that is growing more and more segregated between immigrants and native Swedes. And in the parts of Stockholm where there are immigrants, most people believe in God, whereas in the areas where there are only Swedes, it's not normal to believe in God. So we could say that there are also those uh, aspects in society that can really help us to see how important it is to learn how to live together in a community. And we know that in a materialistic and secular society, people have difficulties to live together. A lifelong communion can be very difficult to really experience if you have no faith, if you are completely dependent upon materialistic values. So a community, a female contemplative community, can be an image of the communion existing in God himself. Because we know 
that the church and every community in the church should be an image of the Blessed Trinity, the communion of love in God himself. And that's a message of hope for many people. Also for those who live alone, because if they realize that God is always there, solitude can become something valuable, something wonderful. And I think everything can be transformed by God's grace. In a secular society, there are many lonely people, but if they can find their way to a surrender to God, loneliness can become a solitude in honor of God and as a kind of uh, intercession for those who cannot accept their loneliness. Because when we discover the presence of God, everything can be transformed. The difficulties can be transformed. The loneliness can be transformed into a life of intercession for those who cannot accept their loneliness. In the communion of saints, all spiritual treasures are common to all believers. We may use the prayer of the saints and make them their own, our own. There is no private property. It is for the common good. And that's why the witness of female contemplative mystics can help people today to grow closer to God, to see that there is an eternal value in those experiences that they have made. Teresa Vavila, in accordance with her friend St. Pedro Alcantara, says that mystical prayer is a grace that seems easier to receive for women. It's more natural for a woman to look upon herself as the bride of the bridegroom Christ, called to be totally transformed by his grace. It's more difficult for a tough and cool young man to see uh, that he also has this vocation to grow into the bridal uh, communion with Christ the bridegroom. But still, every single human being is invited to receive the grace of spiritual matrimony, as the saints say, to be totally transformed by Christ and live in this perfect con contemplation that Christ wants to offer to everyone in Holy Church. And that's why I think also men can open up to the witness of female contemplative communities. Because so many men have learned to pray thanks to female saints and a common experience most men have learned to pray from their mothers. And the church is the mother of everyone. So we could say that these communities of contemplative women can be a prophetical outcry in a society where women are not always treated well. The campaign Me Too became very important in Sweden. And 
so many people realize that even in a society where there is equality between men and women, so many women are victims of violence, abuse, so many are not valued, and that's why we need those images of contemplative female communities to help women to regain their value and dignity and help men to see that they are supposed to really respect and cherish the dignity of women. So there's also a social aspect of this mystery. And I think in a very secular society, it's more important than ever to help people to see that we need this charism of female contemplative life in order to help all people, all men, to open up to this mystery that Christ is also willing to give to them, to be transformed by the grace of Christ, to grow into this mystical human community where we all are invited to love and be loved by the bridegroom and live in this constant prayerful atmosphere that we find in a contemplative community. And that's why even in our country, so many people, whether they be Christian or not, are eager to spend a time in a community, in a guest house of a convent, to see that here is something that I cannot find elsewhere. And I think this uh, apostolate becomes more and more important in our society, to offer people of all kinds the possibility to experience the peace, the rest, the love that such a community can offer, that no luxury hotel can offer, however convenient. And in our society, silence, solitude, community has become luxury values. And that's why it's so important for the church to offer these things to people. My first contact with the Catholic Church actually was with the Sisters of St. Bridget who have guest houses where people can come for retreat, for silence, for solitude to discover this prayerful atmosphere that can be so uh, transforming for people in a secular society. And in my country, many people have discovered faith, Christianity, church, thanks to the witness of such communities. And I think they become more and more necessary the more secular our world will grow. So I wonder what will happen when the relics of St. Therese will travel through our countries. Maybe that can help people to see something that they didn't know. And I think all of us somehow can take part in this work of evangelization in a very humble way in order to help people to see that there are so many 
hidden spiritual values that we have forgotten. That God is not absent but present even if we feel the absence of God, even if we don't see any visible traces of God around us in our society. Female saints, as Bridget of Sweden and Teresa of Calcutta, has always had an important impact on society. Because if you open up to the Lord, if you follow in the footsteps of the saints, you will also, as Pope Francis reminds us, see that there are so many poor people needing our help, needing a mother, needing the help of the church, needing the help of each one of us. And in order to have the capacity to help other people, we need the love of God. We need to be deeper transformed by his love and enter into ever deeper relationship with Christ because only then we have the strength to continue to follow Christ in the service of the poor, the forgotten, the persecuted. Otherwise, a secular society will make us more and more selfish, more and more uh, comfortable with our own richness, with the luxury values. So we need really to open up to the prophetical and important issue that a female contemplative community can show to us. Maybe it seems strange for some of you to speak about those female contemplative communities, but I think that they have a prophetical value in our societies of today. Of course, also so many Christians have really forgotten that they are invited to this deep personal relationship with Christ, to this mystical spousal union to him, that God has called us to be transformed so that our entire life can be a surrender to him. Whether we have a more contemplative life or live in the midst of society. Because also, society has a heart. Also, secular society has a heart. But sometimes it's need to be transplanted to get another new heart. And we are all called to help our society to be more of a mother. And that's what the church can teach the society if we really discover the deep essence of the church as a mother, as the bride, also the society can become more of a mother. I don't know here in America if you look upon America as your mother. But I think if we want to have a more peaceful, just society, where not weapons abound, where not injustice and other things abound. We need also another model of what it can be. And here I think that those contemplative communities can also have an impact on society to help people to realize that 
we can do something in order to make the gospel more present also in our everyday relationships in society. We cannot transform everything, but in our little milieu or environment, if we try to open up to this motherly aspect of the church, to this espousal union to Christ, we can spread some seeds of real love, justice, peace and reconciliation. We can do something in order to make the Lord more present, even if he's hidden, even in a, if he's not really uh, in the center of our secular society. There is so much we can do, or rather so much we can receive from the Lord, because in Christianity it's more about receiving the love of God in order to realize how immensely beloved we are by the bridegroom Christ and trying to surrender to him in everyday life and so bring about something new, something beautiful for God, as Teresa of Calcutta said. So my greeting from Sweden is that a female contemplative community can really be a sign of hope in a society where God seems to be forgotten, where human beings have lost their dignity and value, where prayer can be rediscovered. I don't know if it fits into the American dream or how you look upon your country, but I think that could be something that could help people also in your not very secular society. Because when I come here, I'm always, uh, I told someone yesterday when I came on the plane, United Airlines, the flight attendant, made the sign of the cross and said, oh, Father, now we are safe when you are abroad. They wouldn't say that in Sweden, no. So, but still, you have other problems. We know about that. I will not go into political meditation. That's for your own. But still, I think in every society, a female contemplative community could help us to rediscover values, help us in so many hidden ways. And that's why I hope that when Therese of Lisieux comes to our countries, the most secular societies of Europe, or maybe of the world. That can be some of those little wonders that this saint often has brought about. So thank you for receiving me here in your holy city of Chicago. But it can become more holy, and so can we. That's our hope. Thank you.